Well, hello there. How are we? Welcome back to Here's Looking at You Film, a podcast for the vintage cinephile with modern sensibilities. I'm your host, Nikki, and honestly, how are we, really? Um, I just wanted to take a minute at the beginning of this episode just to check in um, with you guys, because I know we did take a... Uh, uh, like a month and a half, two month hiatus before season two started. Um, and just wanted to kind of fill you guys in on what's been going on in my life and check in with you guys, see how things are going. So, well, I'm just gonna, well, I'll just talk for just a moment and then we'll hop into our movie for the day, which I'm so excited about. But, um, you know, long story short, I just needed a break. Um, I know that I started the podcast back in October. It has been wonderful. It's been really fun. Um, But back in February, I took on new job duties at work. I started working out a lot more. Um, I was just going through a lot mentally and emotionally. And so um, I dove really hard into working out. I was working out for like an hour and a half a day, um, mostly doing that at night. Um, I was working a lot during the day, um, working out for an hour and a half a day, along with like eating and trying to process and lose weight, makes you very tired. So I was sleeping. Um, And I was like on a pretty uh, good sleep schedule, but all of that is very taxing and having to fit in, you know, and I know it seems like, oh girl, you just like watch movies and talk about them, girl, it's not that hard. It can get a little difficult, especially when you're trying to figure out how to make things interesting. You want it to be fun. You want it to be engaging. And if like the feeling's just not there, it's it's going to sound crappy. It's going to sound shitty. So um, every time I would get ready to record, it just was not popping the way it was supposed to pop. So I decided to just take the break. Um, I figured you guys would forgive me. Hopefully you guys will. Um, but I've had some time to regroup. Uh, Now, the summer, I've had a little bit of time to get out, do a couple of things, actually have some fun. But now, unfortunately, um, the pox is hitting pretty hard over here. Um, I'm terrified. Um, I already got hit with the vid like twice, um, once back in like November and then once in January. Uh, but that to me was not that bad. The pox, it's not looking good because first of all, it looks, it, I've heard it's very painful. Um, and also it, I'm not sure what kind of scarring it'll leave behind. Uh, it just does not look like a pleasant experience at all. Um, I mean, no sicknesses do, but I'm just definitely not trying to get it. So I'm definitely going to be in the house a little bit more. I do have um, like a convention for work to go to next week. Um, so I'm thinking that for the next maybe month or so, I might be on an every other week cadence until it starts to cool down a little bit and I have much more of a reason to just be in the house, cuddle up and watch movies. And you guys will have more of a reason to cuddle up and listen to my voice talk about movies because I'm sure the summer is not the best time to listen to somebody ramble on about films in podcast form. Even though hopefully y'all are listening and hopefully y'all like it, but We'll probably do every other week until September, and then once September hits, get back into our regular school schedule. But I appreciate you guys for being here. Appreciate you guys for listening. Hopefully, you guys continue to enjoy the podcast. And real quick, I want to give a shout out to my boy, Antonio Palacio. 
over at the Cult Worthy podcast, Cult Classics, Cult Worthy. Um, I've done a couple of collabs with him already. Hopefully, you guys have had a chance to listen to those. But when I tell you when nobody else was checking on me, that man was checking on me. And this is not even like a like a romantic, nothing like that, because he has a wonderful wife, um, very happily married, um, and has his own life where he is. But he is really like my brother. He really kept checking on me, checking to see how I was doing, checking to see when I was popping in on the podcast, seeing if I wanted to do some episodes with him, telling me to take as much time as I need, but always encouraging me to come back. And so I really want to give a shout out to that man. I am going to drop both of his podcasts in the show notes so that you guys can pop over there and listen. He is, he is, first of all, he is such a professional wonderful quality podcast um he does some of the best films that you've never heard of like i'm over here talking about movies that you might have heard of but you don't have time to watch he is covering movies that you probably have not heard of and they are good and he is he's so good at his job so kind so wonderful um i can't say enough about that man i love you antonio you are so great um so i just wanted to give him a quick shout out i'm gonna put, put his info in the show notes but i appreciate everybody who came in you know checked on me said hey but I, I just wanted to give him a quick shout out because that man did never stop checking on me and that was very much appreciated now that we've gotten that quick five minute ramble out of the way we are getting into our film for the day and this is an official whiskey watch wednesday it is a wednesday i have my glass of whiskey along with some water as well Uh, and we're going to be watching a film live today you may hear a couple of audio clips here and there but of course we don't do too much because we don't want to get into any trouble but the film that we're watching today i'm so excited to watch because it has been hot out here in brooklyn and we refer to those as the dog days of summer the hottest days of summer and so what better film to cover then this 1975 classic about a robbery that should have taken 10 minutes but ended up being a whirlwind of media chaos. Today we are talking about the Al Pacino classic, Dog Day Afternoon. So I want you to picture this. It's August 22nd, 1972. Three New York guys, John Wojtowicz, Salvatore Natarile, and Robert Westenberg. They go to Chase Manhattan Bank at um, 450 Avenue P in Gravesend, uh, Brooklyn. They think it's going to be a 10-minute job. They're going to go in, pop out, have some money, right? Especially because John used to work at a bank, so he knows how the banks work. They think he thinks, okay, they're gonna come and do a drop at three um, thirty, so we're gonna um, go in at three before they do the drop, and we'll pick up the money, we'll leave. Well, unfortunately, the truck had done the drop and taken the money away at eleven o'clock, so. They were originally going to just take whatever money was in the bank, try to dip out um, and leave. And they got about $29,000, which is about $187,000 today. So Westenberg, one of the guys, he gets out. But um, Wojtowicz and uh, John and Salvatore, they stay behind because the police get there and now they're trapped in the bank. So now instead of this just being a quick um, rob and dip, this becomes a hostage situation. And here we find the plot of Dog Day Afternoon. 
Well, you may be saying, Nikki, this is a bank robbery. Like bank robberies happen all the time. Why would they need to make a movie about it? Well, the circumstances behind the robbery were so bizarre that in September 1972, Life actually published an article um, chronicling the robbery. So the, the feature that was written by P.F. Kluge and Thomas Moore was titled The Boys in the Bank. And they talked about the hostages. They talked about uh, John and uh, Salvatore. And people were saying that John looked kind of like Dustin Hoffman or Al Pacino. So um, they start looking into the story. They start looking into the guys from the story. And they decide maybe it would make a good film. So they take it to um, Martin Elflin who was a producer, took it to uh, Mark Martin Bregman, who then went to Warner Brothers and decided to kind of interview a couple people involved, the hostages involved in the story. And um, they ended up paying the hostages $600 each. And one hostage asked for more money and they just ended up not including them. They were like $600 or nothing. And $600 at the time is about $3,700 now. You know how crazy inflation is that like you can look at money in 1975 and or 1972 and it has jumped in inflated that much that $600 is now $3,700 six times as much will I'm not talking about this because the economy depresses me but I just want to point out that $600 in 1972 is $3,700 in 2021 so I don't even know what it is now because inflation is even worse now but anyway when uh, Westenberg, who was the third in the sort of plot, he really didn't have much to do with the movie at all. They offered him $2,000, but at the time, he was still serving as his sentence. And so most likely, if he had taken that money, it would have just gone to the state. So he didn't take it at the time. But when he got out, he took um, $750. Watched which John, he ended up taking $7,500, which is about $45,000 now for the his rights to the story. And people were saying that he was supposed to get 1% of the film's net profit. Uh, the news outlets were saying that, but um, the studio later said that that wasn't true at all. They did say that they would give him $25,000 if the film performed as well as Serpico at the box office. But I'm not sure if he ever got that. Now, Al Pacino was pegged for this role very quickly, and he actually ended up backing out twice before they ended up going through with the film. Dustin Hoffman was actually very interested in playing this role, but they decided they were not even going to talk to him about it because they really wanted Al Pacino because they felt he would bring something different to the role. And I'm not going to get into too much of why right now, because for people who haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, there were a couple of reasons that they believe that Al Pacino backed out a couple of times, but we'll talk about those later. As far as the casting goes, we have Al Pacino as uh, Sonny Wurzik, who is John Wojtowicz. So we'll refer to them in their film names, as of course, from now on. So we've got Al Pacino as Sonny Wurzik, John Cazale as uh, Sal Natarelli. Now, 
John Kazali is, I think, 20 years older than Sal actually was. Sal was 19, um, and John Kazali, uh, when this film was filmed, I think he was about 35 or so. Um, but when he came in and read for this role, they said he did such a wonderful job that they had to use him. Uh, Charles Durning as uh, Sergeant Eugene Moretti, Chris Sarandon as Leon Shermer, and a, a, what a wonderful job we'll get into to that later. Uh, Penelope Allen as uh, Sylvia. Sully Boyar as Mulvaney. Susan Perez as Angie. You have a couple of FBI agents, James Broderick and Lance Henriksen. Uh, you have Carol Kane as Jenny the Squirrel and a number of other characters as well too who come in to add to the scene. So most of the characters that we're seeing here are either our bank robbers, hostages, or the police. That's the scene that we've set here in Brooklyn in 1972. So I believe it is time for us, now that we have our players, to press play. So as I mentioned, we're going to be watching this movie here today. So of course, we will do our obligatory cheers. Uh, whew. I am drinking Elijah Craig. I often drink Elijah Craig. I did have another whiskey recently that was really good. That's from Brooklyn. I can't remember what it was called. Um, when I get it again, I'll let you know because it'll probably be here for the next podcast. But as always, our old trusty friend Elijah Craig is here and we are going to go ahead and press play. So the film opens up with a text that simply says, what you are about to see is true. It happened in Brooklyn, New York on August 22nd, 1972. So our film is directed by Sidney Lumet and the opening credits depict Brooklyn. We've talked about how Spike Lee kind of depicts Brooklyn in this very like gritty, uh, the city is alive kind of way. And this is more, the city has different characters. We're seeing people at the beach. We're seeing the ferry. We're seeing uh, homeless people laying on the ground. We're seeing workers working in the streets, doing sanitation work. We're seeing people working in their yards who have homes, women with their children, different types of people across Across Brooklyn living their Brooklyn lives and funny enough Brooklyn looks pretty similar to the way it looks right now I've watched this movie and I feel like when I walk outside in Brooklyn it looks really similar but overlaid with all of these shots of Brooklyn and the people and life is Amarina, this song by Elton John. And Amarina is uh, not quite a bumping city anthem or the song that you listen to before you pull a robbery. But I do want to point out one of the uh, lines or one of the stanzas of Amarina, particularly the line that's playing when they pull up to the bank. Uh, it's, if only I was nestling in the cradle of your cabin, my arms around your shoulders, the windows wide and open while the songbirds in the sycamore are growing in the valley. Oh, I miss you, Amarina, like the king bee misses honey. This is not quite bank robbery type music. This isn't NWA. This isn't um, an anti-establishment anthem. This is literally a man crooning about the woman that he loves so much, Amarina. And this may seem out of place, but of course, as we get into the film, 
Everything is on purpose. So Sunny, Sal, and Stevie pull up to the bank. Um, Sal goes in first. She's got on like this burgundy sort of colored suit. And he just generally looks weird. If I saw him, I'd be like, he, he's got something going on I don't want to be a part of. Um, but So he goes in first. Um, and mind you, it's like almost time for the bank to close. So he goes in first. Um, Stevie goes and stands over on the side for a second. And then Sonny goes in. He is carrying a long gift box, like a flower box um, that you'd have like flowers or like a long gift in. And uh, he goes in the bank, and then Stevie goes in last. Um, now, when he gets ready to go in, the security guard's like, hey, it's almost closing time. You want in? And Stevie's like, yes, sir. So he goes in. Sal is already off to the side. Sonny is over pretending to fill out a deposit slip, and Stevie goes up to him and says, hey, Sal, like, I, don't, I mean, Sonny, I don't think this is a good idea. And Sonny's like, what are you talking about? Like, we're already in here. We're already doing it now. So I'm sorry. Like, Sal already has his gun out. We're, we can't stop the plan now. I can't stop Sal at this point. So Stevie's like, all right, now, my, like, I need you to understand, Sonny, his voice, so Sonny's voice is what inspired the voice of Mo from The Simpsons. So when Sonny talks, he talks like this. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we're already in the bank. Like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? We're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and do the plan. So he's like, go stand by the door. Go, go stand by the door. So he goes, stands by the door. Sonny goes, uh, and gives the, uh, teller a deposit slip and immediately, like, starts screaming and like rips the box open to reveal this like very long, you know, a, a long gun, you know. Um, but he's trying to take it out of the box and the, the, the ribbon is kind of getting wrapped around the gun. So he's kind of struggling with it and everybody's kind of like startled because they're now in a bank robbery situation. But also like this is very sudden and awkward. But he's got his gun out. Sal's got his gun out. Stevie's at the door with his gun out. And all of a sudden, Stevie says, Sonny, I, I can't do it, man. I gotta, I gotta go. Sonny's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I, I just can't do this, man. I gotta, I gotta dip. So Sonny looks at the security guard and he's like, yo, just, just let him out, man. Like, Okay, fine. It's just the two of us. So Stevie, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. But then Sonny also, uh, Stevie, before he leaves, lets him know, like, hey, there's somebody hiding under a desk over there. So, you know, make sure they're out. So he tries to do his little bit of helpful duty before he dips out. Now, Stevie's gone, and Sonny is boom, boom, boom on it. See, Sonny used to work at a bank, so he already knows, like, the whole deal. He knows exactly how this is run. So he's like, all right, we're going to run over here, get me to the safe. Um, first of all, get away from them alarms. You're not going to trip them. Everybody come out, stand along them walls. Get me to the safe. Nope, don't use that key, because I know that's the trip key. You better use the regular key. Get me into that safe. So old girl puts gets him into the safe, and she starts crying, because she's putting money into the bag. It's only $1,100, because like I said, usually they come and pick up later on in the day at 3.30. This day, they came and picked up at 11 o'clock. So now there's no money in there. So Sal is out there like, what is going on back there? Sonny's like, Sal, I got it. Hold on. So he's like, okay, fine. So he comes out there and asks the head teller to come and let him into all the um, 
the registers or whatever. But he also knows you got to put a little tab underneath the register before you take the money out. Because if you take all the money out at the same time, it'll trip an alarm. He also knows what decoy money looks like. He's not going to take that. He gets all the traveler's checks. He gets everything together. Boom, boom, boom. He's ready to go. He says, one more thing I got to do. I got to get the register. And he goes to burn the register so there's no record of how much money I'm guessing was like actually in there. So he goes to burn the register. He's ready to go. He tells the security guard, hey, yo, let me out. The security guard starts freaking out. So the security guard um, has an asthma attack. I don't know if it's from the smoke, if he's having a panic attack, but this security guard starts flipping out. And suddenly he's like, dude, let me out. And the security guard is just like stunned and looking at him. As all of this is going on, him burning the register right by the vent has sent smoke outside. So the uh, insurance person across the street now sees smoke coming out of the bank. He's concerned. He's going to come over and check and see what's going on. So now they were already supposed to be out of the bank. Now they're raising suspicion and the security guard is having an asthma attack. So the bank manager manages to go and get the insurance agent to go away. He tells him the cigarette just fell into the trash can. Everything is fine. So Sonny kind of tries to get all of the ladies that work at the bank. Because the only man, the only two men in the bank right now that work there are the security guard and the bank manager. All of the people working in the bank are ladies. That is it. So... He tells them, all right, like now we're about to leave. We're going to put you all in the vault. So first he goes to shut the vault door, the big vault door. And they're like, we're not going to be able to breathe. So he's like, okay, fine. So then he goes to shut the small, the like the one that looks like jail doors, jail bars. And the main uh, person, the main cashier, who he calls Mouth, she says, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. I got to pee. I, I get nervous if I can't pee. And so he's like, oh my God, like who else got to pee? So now a couple people was like, I got to go. And so I was like, okay, now they all don't have to pee. Great. So Sunny's like, I just, so she's like, okay, go look in the bathroom. You can check the bathroom out first and then we can go pee. So he goes to check out the bathroom. It's a girl in the bathroom. And she's like, oh my God, I forgot about Maria. She's supposed to take 15 minute break. She'd be taking like an hour of a child. I forgot she was even at work. So now he takes everybody out the bathroom. He like, ain't nobody going to the bathroom. Here is a trash can. This is your bathroom. Phone rings and the manager's like, hey, um, it's for you, babe. It's it's for you, Sonny. Sonny picks up the phone. He's like, hey, what's up? And uh, dude's like, what you doing? And he was like, who is this? And he was like, oh, this is uh, Detective Eugene Moretti. I got you by the balls. We're literally across the street looking at you right now. He looks out. Uh, they right in the barbershop across the street. All of a sudden, it's police sirens coming out of nowhere. Uh, people are running through the streets. All of a sudden, this went from like this was supposed to be boom, bang. They were already supposed to be out. And now it's literally a hostage situation. And police officers are surrounding the bank. So Sonny is like, what did I ever do to you? Like, I was just trying to take this money from the bank. This thing had nothing to do with you. And the manager's like, well, I have a, a job. It's my salary. And Sonny's like, well, 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 this don't have nothing to do with you. You could have just let me have the money. You would have been fine. The mouse, the the head bank teller, she like, you ain't even coming here with a plan. You ain't even had a plan, did you? You just came in here and thought you were just going to rob a bank. And he was like, no, I had a plan. She's like, no, you didn't. You came in here. You just thought you was going to rob a bank on a whim. You ain't know what you was doing. So she's over here nagging him. The manager's like, I'm just trying to keep my job. And Sonny's like, how did this happen? 
So the phone keep ringing because the detective keep trying to call him back. He picks up the phone finally and he was like, yo, if you keep calling me, I'm going to start throwing bodies out this door one at a time. And he's quiet for a second. And then he looks around and he was like, yo, is there a Jenny here? <laughs> and the girl who was hiding under the table, she comes out and he was like, oh, it's the squirrel child. He was like, Your hu- you got a husband? Your husband's on the phone. And she was like, well, what What can I tell him? And he was like, T- just tell him whatever you tell him. So he goes and uh, the, phone, the other phone is ringing now. He picks it up. The, the sergeant is on the phone. He says the same thing again. I'm start throwing bodies out one at a time. Hangs up. And Jenny says, um, uh, he wants to know what time you're going to be finished. And <laughs> it's funny, like, oh, girly. Like, what the fuck, girl? Child, get, get the fuck out of my face. So Sonny goes around, checks the place out, see the back door, see if there's any, like, places that the cops can come in. He goes back and he's like, look, if everybody chills and does what I say, everybody gonna be good, okay? He's like, Sal, I need you to watch these people while I go to the back and block the door, but you good. Sal's like, hey, yo, Sonny, come in for a second. He like, yo, were you serious when you said what you said about, um, about throwing bodies out the door? And Sonny's like, well, that's what I want them to th- I want them to think I'm serious, obviously. And Sal was like, no, but I'm asking you if you're serious. Because, like, like I, I'll do it. Like, I'm ready right now. I'll start throwing bodies out the door right now. And Sonny's like, I know. I know. <laughs> so he goes to the back. He takes Mulvaney, the, the bank manager, takes him to the back. And he was like, yo, you got to help me block off this door. And he says, yo, you got you got kids? And he was like, uh, yeah, I got two kids and I want to see him again. And he was like, what if I took you as a hostage? What if I took you with me when I leave? And he was like, yeah, if you take anybody, take me. Like, I would prefer that. And uh, Sonny was like, nah, I'm not going to take you with me because you're not worth nothing. They'll, they don't care about you. You see what they did at Attica? They shoot innocent people. But what I'll do is I'll take one of them girls out there, preferably a married woman with kids. Because they don't like it when they see women with kids get shot. So they're less likely to shoot them. So I won't take you with me. He knows what's up. He definitely knows about bank procedure. And he knows a lot. He says, uh, he says it very well. I know a lot about a lot of things. So now there's police officers everywhere, and also there's news people that have figured out what's going on, and they're swarming everywhere. So there's police helicopters, there's news helicopters, there's police officers on the roof, there's news people on the roof. And also, the FBI has shown up. I don't know how a bank robbery has turned into this big of a situation this quickly, but it escalated very quickly. Detective Moretti establishes a direct line to the bank and calls over to talk to Sonny. And he's like, hey, I want to come over there and talk to you, but in good faith, how about you let all the hostages out? And Sonny's like, you think I'm an idiot? I'm not letting all the hostages out. He's like, all right, well, can you just give me one? So Sonny's like, let me figure out what's going on and I will get back to you. Um, he's like, well, just let out all the women. He's like, it's literally all that I have is women. So he hangs up to figure out which hostage to let go of. And he goes, he looks at everybody and he says, well, like, they want me to let go of somebody. Like, who am I going to let go of? And obviously he looks at the dying security guard who's having an asthma attack and goes, him, right? And all the women, of course, who are women and very understanding and want to take care of the security guard, they're like, yes, please let him go. So they let the security guard go. 
So this turns out to be a very smart decision because they let the security guard out and because Sonny has told them that there are only women in there, they see this man come out and they immediately jump him, put handcuffs on him, put him on the car. And by the way, I need to mention that the security guard is a black man. He's like an older black gentleman, probably in his like 70s or, you know, late 60s. But so he's like, so he's, so Sonny's now screaming from the door. He's a hostage. What are you doing? The lady mouth, um, the head teller, she's screaming, he's a hostage. What are you doing? So now Sonny realizes that the police look shitty now it's uh, and detective moretti is yelling like sonny what are you doing that wasn't fair you're not communicating with us you told us there were only women in there and now you send out a guy and sonny's like well why are you trying to arrest the first person that i send out here like what are you doing so now Sonny has established for himself and for the public with all of the news here to see that the police are literally ready to get violent so Sergeant Moretti asks Sonny, he's like, hey, just come outside real quick. I just want to show you real quick what you're up against. Sonny comes outside. He's got mouth kind of like on his side as his hostage. He looks up. There's police officers with like sniper rifles pointed from the rooftops. There's police officers all over the place, probably about 100 officers with guns pointed at him. Just like gratuitous amount of officers with guns pointed. And Sonny's like, what is all of this? Like, why do you have your militia here? And so Moretti's like, hey, look, if you come out now, you know, we won't even worry about the kidnapping charges. You'll be charged with armed robbery. You'll get five years at the most. We won't even worry about this. And Sonny's like, yo, you think I'm stupid, don't you? This is a federal bank. This is a federal offense. Kidnapping, armed robbery. I'm going to get years in this bitch. You think I'm dumb. And so then he's looking around and he's like, yo, what the fuck is up with this dude with this gun inching up towards me? He wants to get me so bad he can taste it. Like, and so he's like, scoot. And so Moretti, now he's screaming at his officers, get the fuck back, get the fuck back, trying to act like he cares and shit and like he's trying to protect Sonny, but Sonny is freaking out. And here's where we get one of the most popular lines in pop culture that we've seen in so many films and so many TV shows. But I'm being fucked. I like to get kissed on the lot. Come on, come on. You're a city cop, right? Robbing the bank's a federal offense. They got me on kidnapping, armed robbery. They're going to bury me, man. I don't want to talk to somebody who's trying to calm me. Get somebody in charge. I, I, am in charge I don't want to talk to some flunky pick trying to calm me. Man. Man. What you doing? What are you get back in there for? What you get the fuck back in there for? What are you doing? Get over there. Go back there, man. So let's talk about Attica real quick. So the Attica prison riot happened in 1971, September 1971. Prison conditions anywhere usually in America are crap, but particularly there, they were really, really, really bad. And the prisoners, I mean, they felt like they were literally being treated like animals or worse than animals. So they decided they were going to stage an uprising to negotiate better conditions. Um, so they took a bunch of the staff of the prison hostage for four days and tried to negotiate for different political rights, better living conditions. Um, and they took 42 staff members hostage over four days. They got 28 of their demands, I think, um, agreed to, but they did not agree to remove the superintendent. Um, and they also did not agree to amnesty for any of the people who were involved with the uprising or the riot. So since they couldn't agree into those things, um, 
Rockefeller, who was the mayor at the time, I mean the governor at the time, Nelson Rockefeller, he um, decided to send in a bunch of state and local police officers um, after consulting with President Nixon, who, as we all know, or maybe we don't all know, but as a lot of us know, not really the best president at making choices for people who are in impoverished or um, less than uh, respectable conditions. He doesn't really care much about them. So he, they'd sent in state and local police to take back the prison. Um, out of the uh, 43 people who were killed, um, they said at least 43 people were killed. Uh, 33 of them were prisoners and 10 of them were hostage correctional officers. Out of those 43 people, only four of those people were killed as a result of prisoners. The other 39 were as a result of police fire. Um, they tried to cover that up for some days and tried to make it seem like the prisoners were the reason for all of this, all of the deaths. And um, soon after, um, they did uh, autopsies and basically realized that most of the death happened because of law enforcement fire. Um, so the cry Attica is really a cry for police to lay the fuck off. Like we, like you have a job, you can do that job without being using excessive force. Um, I think they said one person who was involved in the Attica uprising, one of um had been shot 12 times at point blank range and had been shot so many times in the face that their eyes, there were shards of their bone that were in their eye socket because the bone had been crushed up so much by the gunfire. It was insane. So this cry for Attica and him saying all of this, obviously, as the police are like advancing on him and they have, ex uh, there's two people in the bank who are doing this hostage uh, situation. Sonny and Sal. Of course, there could be more, but there are two people in the bank, and they have hundreds of officers out here. Well, maybe not hundreds, but at least a hundred officers out here. This is looking like Attica Part 2. So Sonny is screaming for them to put the guns down, and the crowd is on his side. They're screaming, put them down, put them down. When he's screaming, Attica, he's telling him to get back. The crowd is rooting him on. Clearly, they understand that the police are being excessive. And even though this man is committing a robbery against a bank, it's a bank robbery. It's money. It's federal money. This man is not killing anyone. And it's obvious that he's quite a character. And he's not playing it up for television, but this is beautiful television, beautiful primetime television. And Sonny keeps pointing out the fact that if these television cameras weren't out there, those police officers probably would have iced him by then. So Sonny's eating up the attention. And the mouth, she's out there too. And she's doing like mini interviews with them, talking to the news people. Meanwhile, Sonny's mother. Or Sonny's parents are at home and they see him on the news robbing the bank. She's crying. Why didn't he tell me he needed money? Why is he robbing the bank? And his father says, why rob a bank when you got a sucker for a mother? So clearly his mother is just, she's a, she's a real card. Well, so they get ready to go back into the bank, Sonny and um, the head teller. And uh, Moretti grabs the head teller's hand. And she's like, what's this with the hand? And he says, why don't you just let her out? Like, just leave her out here. And she snatches her hand back from her ready and says, those are my girls in there. 
And so, of course, the crowd cheers her back on. And Moretti is looking at her like, are you kidding me? Like, for real? So he goes back inside and he tells Sal, yo, everybody's out there. And the mouse, she's like, I was just on TV. Oh, I just got interviewed. Another call comes through. And Mulvaney tells him, the you know, the bank manager tells him, like, the TV's there on the line, the people from the TV. So he gets on the line and they start asking him questions. And he's, like, mad excited at first because he sees himself on TV. And then they ask him, this is uh, this is probably one of my favorite lines from this movie. Uh, what? Why am I doing it? Doing what? Robbing the so they're like, well, why don't you get a job? He's like, well, I don't got no union card. You need a union card to get a job. And they're like, well, why don't you get a non-union job? And he like, okay, like, are you stupid? And he looks at the other girls in the bank, and they giggling behind him because they are eating this up. They are living. They're, like, they're on TV. They're pretty much, like little mini town celebrities at this point and he's like you want me to get a non-union job how much you want me to get a job as a bank teller you know how much they make an hour you think i'm gonna live on a non-union job salary so either i gotta get a union card which is difficult for me to do at this point or i get a job where i make little to nothing or i can rob this bank that seems like a pretty good option so sonny's like uh so what am i gonna get for this and they like what do you want us to pay you he's like no 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 it's me and nine people in here and if i go out there we're entertainment right now we're as the world turns if i go out there right now my brains are on the sidewalk what do i get for that he was like um and so the news guy's like well i mean you could just give up he goes oh you ever been to prison sir and he's like, no. He says, oh, so you don't know anything about that. Well, let's talk about something you do know about. How much do you make? How much the fuck do you make? Well, of course, now he curses and they got to cut the broadcast. So now he can't finish his conversation and he's mad. And he's like, what? Well, what happened? Well, you cursed on the broadcast. They probably didn't like that. So now Sonny got to talk to his boy, Sal. And he like, yo, Sal, look, if I can get the FBI involved, we could probably get a deal. And Sal's like, no. You said if we don't make it, we either, we either make it or we kill ourselves. That's what we decided. So you going back on your promise? Saying like, no, but I'm just trying, like, I'm just trying to tell you, like, it's, it's other options. And Sal was like, no. But he like, yo, 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 look, 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 I got it, I got it. Look, we can get a jet. I'm going to get them to get us. They're going to put a helicopter on the roof. They're going to take us to a jet. And then we're going to fly somewhere else. And he was like, yo, um, mouth. You ever been to Algeria? She like, Algeria? Like, nah, I'm down, I guess. And he like, yeah, we going to Sunny Climbs, my guy. We going to Algeria. Call your people. Tell them we finna dip for a minute. We not gonna be back. He like, Sal, look, I got it. I promise. Look, is there any place that you ever wanted to, another country, a nice country you wanted to go to? Sal got real quiet. And he says, Wyoming. Sonny like, yo, but Wyoming's not a country. Don't don't even worry about it, Sal. I got it. I got it, boo. I got you. Don't even worry about it. I'm I'm thinking for both of us. Don't even worry. So he goes outside to talk to Moretti to get this jet situation figured out. So he goes walking outside, and it reminds me of that SpongeBob episode where he comes out, and it's, like, completely quiet, and he goes out to sleep, and all of a sudden everybody starts, like, 
cheering because it's completely quiet outside. He walks out and is like, yeah, and everybody starts cheering. And of course, he starts going off again. So he's having his little moment. All of a sudden, some dude runs up on him and tackles him. He's screaming, he's got Maria. He's got Maria. Let me, you know, Maria was the one that was in the bathroom. He's screaming, let Maria out. So the all the cops done put their guns away. But um, so now he's like, yo, why you let old boy run up on me and tackle me? Meanwhile, the Mulvaney's like runs out of the bank. He's like, yo, Sal said, bring Sonny back in here. Otherwise he's shooting everybody. And Sal gets worried. Sonny comes in. He's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And Sal just kind of like takes a deep sigh and lets him go back outside. So Sal is literally only worried about Sonny and his well-being. He's like, yo, if anything happened to Sonny, it's done. He comes outside and he's like, yo, I want you to get me uh, a helicopter and a jet. And and I want the jet to have like a piano bar and like, you know, like a lounge and stuff so I can like travel on it, make it a nice jet. And uh, Moretti's like, yo, um, I don't know if we could land a helicopter up here because, you know, it's asphalt, it'll break through. You know, we I got to call my superiors. And so he's like, well, if, if you got superiors, why you don't just get your superiors down? I can talk to your superiors. Why am I talking to you? He's like, yo, just let me call. Let me do my thing or whatever. He gets ready. He goes back in the bank and he's like, yo, can you get my wife down here real quick? And they like, well, do something for us. Send out the women. And he's like, yo, ain't nothing. Like, I told you all I have is women. If I give you the women, I don't have nothing. You, I give you one hostage for everything you do for me. You give me the helicopter, I give you a hostage. You give me the jet, I give you a hostage. Get my wife, I give you a hostage. So they go to find his wife. His wife will not shut uh, she's like, I know Sonny didn't do it. Let me tell you, I know he not robbing that bank. And then she goes into a whole thing about the other day she looked in the glove compartment. He had a gun. He started yelling at her. He tried to get her to go on a kitty ride. She didn't want to go on. But then she's like, I know he's, he didn't rob that bank. His body might be robbing that bank, but he's not robbing the bank. And they like, yo, can you just come down to the bank? We just want you to come to the bank, sis. We didn't need all this. So back at the bank, all the girls, I mean, like, there's obviously a hostage situation going on, but they chilling. Like, they just kind of hanging out. And I think there is something to be said about the fact that, like, all most of the hostages are women. And they're very understanding of, like, Sonny and Sal and their plight. Um, and they know how to keep the situation kind of, like, chill and calm instead of agitating things. Um, but... Uh, there's people who are like calling and like asking Sonny if he's doing things to the girls in the bank and he's literally just passing the phone to the girls and they like breathing heavy into the phone having a good time. They read in Dear Abby's and one of the ladies in the bank, she's like sweating and like having a whole situation and they're like, yeah, she's probably, this is probably because the uh, air conditioner's off. We need, you need to check the AC, like what's going on with the AC? So he's like, all right, I'm gonna go check the AC. He goes to tell Sal and Sal's like, hey, Sonny. Uh, I I never been in an airplane before. Sonny's like, it's it's safer than a car. It let I me mean, like it's it's fine. You'll be fine. I'm I'm going to check the AC. So he goes down with Mulvaney to check the AC to see what's going on. And he checks the AC and he realized that the reason that it's not working is because it's been unscrewed because the police are trying to come through the hole where the AC unit is. So now he's flipping out again because he's like, yo, I thought we were doing this like straight and narrow. You were going to get me my my helicopter, my jet. We were going to get out of here. scot free. Everything's going to be fine. Are you trying to sneak in the back way? And Mulvaney's like, no, I didn't know they were doing it. I didn't know they were back there. And he's like, oh, really? You're going to say you ain't know? 
happier men were in the back of the building trying to get through the he's like i didn't know i didn't know they were doing it like i'm just i'm just trying to help so moretti's like look we got everything you want we we, we ain't we couldn't get a helicopter in here but we got a bus the bus is gonna take you to the jet that's at kennedy you got your wife she's coming look we talking right we talking. He like, I don't know. I thought we was talking, but we not talking. You trying to come in the back. He like, I, that's a tactical unit. That don't got nothing to do with me. He like, oh, they just do stuff without your orders. He's like, yeah, without my orders. Like, I'm, I'm telling you. He's like, oh, okay. So they just do stuff. Okay. So Moretti's like, well, what else you want me to do, man? He was like, ah, they hungry. Could, could you get, could you get some food? Moretti's like, you want some pizza, man? He's like, yeah. And he like, could you get some like lick too? He's like, nah, I can't, I can't get you no liquor, bro. But I can get you some sodas. He like, all right, we'll do some pieces for sodas. That's fine. So the bank manager's like, can we get this going? And he, Sonny, like, what do you think I'm doing? Like, I'm trying to get the 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 bus here. I'm trying to get y'all food. I'm getting aspirin, child. Like, what do you like? You starting to get on my nerves. So he goes outside and he takes some money outside because they got um the pizza here. And he's like, how much do I owe you? And they like, yo, we already got to pay for it, like, clearly. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to pay him. So he gives him some money. And then he's like, yo, keep the change. He puts some money in his pockets. And he's got a bunch of, like, marked fives. And so people are, like, cheering. And he's like, y'all want this? Y'all want this? And this is always the one part of the movie that kind of bothered me. So he's standing by the bank. And, of course, they have the whole area is, like, barred off by those, like, police, those those wooden, like, separation standing. I don't even know what those are called but you know what i'm talking about those those blue wooden things that they use to like block off areas and so he's like y'all want this and so he throws the money um aggressively towards the crowd but like if you throw dollar bills in any general direction they're just gonna sort of like flutter to the ground so he throw he's throwing the five dollar bills and somehow like you can see from the above shot that the five dollar bills just kind of like flutter around him but then the next shot shows them like it's fluttering over to the crowd and they're grabbing at this money that's always one like one of the few things that's bothered me about this film because i'm like the money didn't get to the crowd like it didn't get over there but he's throwing money around and people are catching it he's super excited about it having his like 15 minutes of fame so back inside, Sylvia's mouth, they're, they're like, oh, does anybody want a cigarette? And Sylvia's like, uh, I, I'll take one. And somebody says, well, Sylvia, you don't smoke. So Sal looks at her and says, you don't smoke? Well, why would you start now? She's like, because I'm terrified. Um, you don't smoke? He says, no, I want to keep my body pure. She said, well, why? And she's like, well, your body is the temple of the Lord. And she's like, oh, so you'll rob a bank, but you want to keep your body pure, huh? And he's like, oh, are you going to smoke your cigarette? She's like, yeah. And if I die of cancer, it'll be half your fault. And he goes, no, it's because you're weak and walks out of the room because he's pouting about the fact that she's clearly calling him out on his hypocrisy. So then they call Sonny and tell him that his wife is there. He runs outside to see her. The police car pulls up and out wearing a house robe straight from Bellevue's mental hospital is Sonny's wife, Leon played by Chris Sarandon. So Moretti is shocked. He's like, what the fuck is this? And the police officer goes, yeah, I went to Bellevue, like you said. He says he's Sonny's wife. They've been married in a church. And Moretti's like, are you fucking kidding me? So now everybody around him is like, is, and people are like, is he queer? Like, what is happening? So Sonny runs outside, 
sees Leon. He's screaming, hey, Leon, Leon, hey, Leon, happy birthday. And Leon looks at him and literally faints, passes out. So now it's a madhouse. Moretti's trying to sit Leon down and figure out exactly what's going on. Leon is passed out. They got to get him water, all sorts of stuff. Sonny calls over. He's like, let me talk to Leon. And he's like, Leon is, uh, he's groggy. Let me get him back first. And then we'll let you talk to him. So Sonny's wife, Sonny has a wife with two children, the women, the woman that he talked to earlier. But his wife right now, his recognized wife, is Leon Shermer. Chris Sarandon as Leon Shermer is one of the best performances in this film by far. And in a film with Al Pacino, that says so much. Um, Chris Sarandon plays Leon Shermer sort of like a Long Island housewife. Now, first of all, it is very hopeful that he's basically wearing this um, robe from Bellevue. Um, so it, it's one of, you know, uh, from a mental hospital. He's in uh, in there talking about what's going on. Now, I am going to refer to Leon as a him because in the film, Leon is still a him. But basically, what ends up happening is he recounts the, their relationship, recounts that Sonny is married with a wife and children, but they were very in love. They met. Uh, Leon wanted to get married because he thought it would like somehow help. And Sonny... Didn't really want to get married, but did it for Leon because he loved Leon, but it didn't really help. Um, shortly after they got married, Leon took a 10-day trip to Atlantic City, kind of went on a bender, drank too much. Sonny came looking for him, was really upset. Uh, so then he ended up going to, to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist told him that he was a woman trapped in a man's body. So Leon is trans. He was really upset about it. Sonny wanted to get him this sex change operation, but it was $2,500, which is, of course, a lot of money. Leon got really depressed about it. Sonny got really enraged about it. So Leon ended up taking, he said, about a half pound of pills and trying to kill himself. Things were clearly not good. Now, this is um, really interesting to me, this specific part, because you hear Sonny's wife um, with the two children saying that Sonny would never do this. Sonny is, um, this is not mentally Sonny. This is physically his body, but he's not doing this. And Leon, Sonny's other wife, is literally like, Sonny's crazy. I can't talk to him. He's been crazy like this all summer. Like, there's no way to talk him out of this. But unfortunately, now the police, Moretti, is going to try to trick Leon into thinking that since Sonny may have done this for him, for him to be able to get the money for the sex change operation, he's somehow liable. He's somehow an accomplice in this. And so now Moretti is telling him, if you can somehow talk Sonny out, then we'll be able to um, get you out of this situation. So in the middle of this bank robbery, they have to have a news exclusive about Leon Shermer, who is Sonny's wife. They talk about how the bridesmaids were seven males. Um, all of their dresses between the wedding dress and their bridesmaids dresses came up to $700. They had a photo of uh, Leon in his wedding dress. They addressed who was at the wedding. They addressed who officiated the wedding, uh, addressed the fact that the priest was defrocked. Out of this whole bank robbery, they decided to do a quick aside just to explain the fact that Sonny was married to a man and said, you know, and then said something about the two gay bank, uh, two gay bank robbers in the bank. 
Sal was very quick to say, hey, uh, Sonny, they said two gay bank robbers. I'm not gay, babe. And Sonny was like, it don't. It don't matter, like, it don't matter what they say, it's TV. Now, this whole time, Sonny has been pressed about what they've been saying on TV, but this specific thing, he's like, Sal, it don't It don't even matter, like, I can't affect, I can't change what they say on TV, I can't change what they do, and Sal, like, but I'm, I'm not gay, though, can you, they need to say I'm not gay. Quick sidebar, I'm trying my best to record without air conditioning, but it is very, very hot, it is a dog day summer. Um, so if you hear some noises in the background, um, periodically throughout the recording, it's just because I need this AC. I'm so sorry. Um, but now they are inside, they're talking, hanging out, just chatting it up and, uh, they cut the lights outside. Um, so now Sonny tells everybody get in the fall. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He starts hearing People calling him to come outside. So he comes outside to talk to Moretti. Moretti is not there anymore. Now he is talking to FBI agent Eugene, or not Eugene, FBI agent Sheldon. Um, Sheldon says, we not cutting on no AC. We not cutting the lights back on. No more favors. We got this limousine bus coming for y'all. We got a jet down at um, JFK. Give me the hostages. Sonny's like, do y'all not, nobody's telling you anything? He said, I need to hear from you. What are we doing? He said, I right, give me the limousine. I give you a hostage. Get us down there. We got to give you a hostage. Once I get on the plane, I see everything's all right. I'll send all the hostages off the plane. We take off and we're good to go. He says, all right, well, I need to just come in real quick and make sure the hostage is okay. Um, Sonny's like, uh, I don't think I want you in here. You think if you come in here and the hostages is all dead, you think we're going to let you out? FBI agent is like, mm, I got to check. So... Sonny comes outside, starts patting him down. Now that the public knows that he is gay, now he, he pat him down and they start whistling, oh, pussy cat. So now it's it's basically a running joke. So we can see now that there is a split between the crowd that we'll talk about in just a second. But FBI agent Sheldon goes inside to check and see what's going on. He walks around in there a little bit, and he's checking on the girls to make sure that they're okay. And the girls are like, why don't you just give them what they want? Like, why give them their jet. They're, like, literally not even, like, pressed about getting out of there. They're like, give my boy what he wants. Like, that's the whole reason we're still here. So he circles around or whatever. Sal is standing there with the gun pointed at him. He's like, Sal, we're going to try to get everybody out of here safely, even you boys. Sal's like, don't come any closer. Now... When he was talking to Sonny outside, Sonny was like, chill, don't come no closer. And the FBI agent kept edging up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. When Sal said, don't come no closer, he said, you got it. He stops. So he goes back out the door and says, Sonny, I want to talk to you outside. He was like, Sonny, I'm really proud of you. You done handled it real well. You ain't got no deaths on your hands, but don't even worry about it. Don't try to handle Sal. We got him. Sonny's like, what, what are you talking about? He was like, don't worry. We will handle Sal. Sonny's like, what? I mean, you think I'm going to sell my boy out? Like, what are you even talking about? He goes back in and Sal was like, what was, what, you, what was they talking about? And he was like, nothing. They just talking about the, they just talking about the jet. Don't, don't even worry about it. I got it. The Sal's like, I mean, Sonny's like, what is going on? All of a sudden, bank manager doesn't look so good. He goes down. He's sweating and they're crowding around him. And Sonny immediately goes, they poison the pizza. And they're like, no, no, he's a diabetic. Like, we got to figure out what to do. There are all the women are crowded around him trying to help him, loosening his tie. Tell us what to do for you, you know, being doting women as we are. And uh, Sonny goes outside, calls for a doctor. 
And so he's like, is there a doctor here? So the paramedic comes out of the ambulance and starts running over to the uh, place. And as he's running, the whole crowd goes, go, 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 go. He gets there. Of course, Sonny has to pat him down and you get woo again. So they finally let him in. Before they let him in, um, the FBI agent tells Sonny that Leon is ready to talk to him and now is on the phone. Because Leon before, of course, was hysterical and could not even speak to Sonny. So I love their conversation. He gets on the phone with Leon and at first he's kind of like, hey, you know, you know, I was worried because at first you didn't really want to talk to me. I figured it was because you were like drugged up a little bit. Because you just got out of the hospital. Leon's like, yeah, you know, they just kind of start sticking you with stuff when you get in there. It's kind of crazy. And so then um, Sonny's like, man, I'm I'm dying out here, man. And Leon's like, you're dying. Like, you're always saying you're dying. Like, you got to think you're killing the people around you. Like, you're putting guns to people's heads. Like, and he, it's, Leon kind of starts nagging the way like a wife does, you know, but very like, what do you mean you're, you're dying out here? Like, you know, and Sonny's like, what, why are you going in on me like this? You know what I'm going through right now. And Leon's like, yeah, I know, I know. And so they talk for a little bit longer. And uh, he says, yeah, you know, you know, I, I just wanted to let you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm leaving. I'm going, you know, I'm getting a jet. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm going and that's it, you know. But but also like you, you, I want to say goodbye. But like also if you want to go, you can come. And uh, Leon's like, well, what do you, what do you, where are you going? He's like, Algeria. He's like, what, why would you pick Algeria? They, they wear masks there. They're like, it's weird. Like, why would you want to go to Algeria? He's like, well, where, where should I go? Like Sweden or something? And Leon's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, you know, but it's just like a real like sarcastic chuckle. Um, he starts saying like, man, you know, I was talking to Sal and Sal thought Wyoming was a country. Like that's who I'm dealing with. Leon's like, man, that's crazy. You should, you should just give up, you know? And he's like, man, I, I, I can't give up. Leon's like, well, look, the cops, like, they think they think I'm in on it. And so I need you to, like, tell them I'm not. And Sonny's like, what do you mean they think you're in on it? Like, clearly you're not in on it. He's like, well, they think I am. And Sonny's like, are they listening to our conversation right now? And he's like, I mean, yeah, like, I'm literally surrounded by a bunch of cops right now. Like, what do you think? He's like, oh, that's real nice. Yeah, you didn't. Do okay, you didn't do it. Fine. Like, I'll just tell he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Is that good? Is that good? And he's like, yeah. So after that, they, you know, after that little tussle about having the cops on the phone, which clearly the cops would have to be on the phone. There's no way they're going to talk without the cops being on the phone during a hostage situation. I think the end of their call is the best summation of their relationship that you'll be able to find. And I want to play it for you and hopefully you'll be able to hear it. So now what, what are you going to do? Well, I thought, uh, thought that I would go back to the hospital. You know, they're, they're really nice there. I mean, they're, they're, they really seem like they're trying to help me. So then that's good then, right? You found something. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I have any. So are you going to still have the operation? Yeah. Yeah. So then what, do I, what am I supposed to say to you? Uh, thanks a lot. And, uh, bon voyage. Yeah, I'll see you sometime. Yeah, I'll see you in my dreams, huh? I have a so long time. Oh, I don't know, you know. Life's so funny. You said a mouthful, sweetheart. 
Well, goodbye, huh? Somehow, even though they're married, they still have this conversation that seems so innocent and so like high school romance. Like they almost, neither one of them wants to get off the phone with each other in the middle of a hostage situation, even though they know they're not good for each other. And Sonny's still very concerned about making sure that Leon is going to be happy and end up getting their operation. Um, but also very much thinking like, yeah, everything is going to be fine. Leon's going to get their operation. I'll get my money. I'll fly to Algeria and everything will be great. And not realizing really the gravity of the situation. Or maybe realizing it, but just living on a dream. So now he decides to call his wife with the, the kids, the wife and kids. So he calls Angie and he gets her on the phone. Now, I'm going to place their conversation for you as well, because he gets her on the phone. She says she's seen what's going on on TV. She's been so worried. And he says to her, just like he said to Leon, I'm dying here. You know that? I'm dying here. And this is how the conversation goes for them. so much. Why don't you come down here? Where are you? Talk to me about love. talking about she can't get a babysitter what is she gonna do and she ain't come down there child this girl got him on the phone during a bank robbery to nag him out about him yelling at her child this <laughs> and his face the whole time he's just like what is my life right now <laughs> so now Sunny done hung up on you girl um the paramedic was like yo Buddy, um, he, I think we need to get him to a cardiac machine, so we need to get him out of here. So Sonny, like, all right, you know, you could go. It's fine. I don't want nothing bad to happen to you. And the um, manager at the bank, he like, yo, I'm good. Don't worry about me. Leave me alone. 
And he was like, yo, are you trying to be, what are you trying to be hero or whatever? Like, if you sick, get, leave, I'm letting you go. And he was like, yo, don't try to act like you a hero. Like you trying to save somebody. Like, I wish you had never come into this bank. I'm good. Just leave me alone. So he goes off into his corner. Paramedic goes back outside. And Sonny, when he gets outside, the gaze is at. The day is out, and they screaming out of the closets into the street, and they excited. And the other people, the not gays, they out there booing the gays. So now they divided about Sonny because they like that he is anti-establishment, but also he is one of the gays. So, you know, pick a side. So now they bring this man's mom. She's standing outside like, Sonny. Come outside, please. They said, if you come on, I told them everything. I told them you've had good jobs. I told them you were in the war. I told them you are a great person. Like, they understand. They get it. They said, if you come out, everything going to be fine. And Sonny's like, I'm not doing that, Mom. I'm not coming out. And she's like, look, they know that this isn't you. It's the pressure from your home life. And Sonny's like, why are you talking about this right now? She's like, I'm just saying, you don't have to be with Angie. Like, why do you have to? If, you, if Angie was treating you right, you wouldn't need Leon. Like, why are you sleeping with a woman who got two kids on welfare? Like, she's on welfare now. Like, it's like, I'm in the middle of, like, it's clear that he literally remarried his mother. Because this woman, nobody's talking about the robbery. Nobody's talking about the fact that this man is robbing a bank. She's talking about Angie. Angie's talking about how she said that he don't like her no more and how she thinks she done got fat. Leon is the only one who was kind of like, yeah, I, like I understand that this is all a mess. And I really don't want to talk to you right now. I didn't even want to come out the hospital, really. But I had to come out because they called me out. And I needed to just justify that I wasn't a part of this so I can go back to the hospital. The only one with sense. Sonny goes back in and decides that this is a good time for him to write his will and testament. Out of his $10,000 life insurance policy, he leaves $2,700 to Leon, who he loves more than any man has ever loved any other man from here to eternity. He leaves $5,000 to Angie, the only woman that he has ever loved, and he repledges her love to her in this most unfortunate time. He says he loves Kimmy and Timmy, and Timmy is the man of the house now. He apologizes to his mother and also says that if there is any money left from the insurance policy, it should be given to uh, Leon on the first anniversary of his death at his grave. Also, he should have a military funeral as in it, and, it, and is entitled to one free of charge as he served in Vietnam. Interesting moment, but you can really see that he's taking the time to prioritize his family. And he is really thinking about the reason that he is doing this. It is for his family, for his wife who is on welfare with their two kids, for his other wife who wants to have the sex change operation to be truly happy. He is, I haven't heard him say anything about doing this for himself, wanting something for himself. This has all been for other people. And it's really bittersweet that it had to be like this. So they finally get this limo bus, which is basically just like a long car. And he goes out to check it. And there's a black driver who's like, oh, man, like, it's really exciting to meet you, blah, blah, whatever. And so he comes out 
And he's looking at the car, making sure the seats don't come out, making sure there's no traps in the car or whatever. So now he's good. He's like, all right. So they're like, hey, this FBI agent is going to drive you. Agent Murphy. So Sonny's like, no, no, no. I want the black guy. I want the limo driver guy. And the limo, the black guy's like, nah, I don't, I don't think I want to, I don't want to do this. And so he's like, nah, it's cool. Like, I'll pay you. It's you and me. Like, we could take off together, blah, blah, blah. So the limo driver gets back in the front seat of his car and he's like, yo, if you aim, shoot for white meat. And he gets in the front seat of the car to drive it. Sonny comes over and he says, yo, take a walk. He was like, yo, I, I know a cop when I see one. So now the limo driver, he's like, so he gets out and Sonny's like, Agent Murphy, come over here. Okay, you at least I know what I'm dealing with now since I'm dealing with you. So they go back inside. He tells everybody it's time to go. They form like a basically the, all the hostages form a shield circle around Sonny and like walk very tightly to the car. And then they all shove in really quick so that, you know, the police don't have a time to try to shoot him or anything. And of course, Sal, he's got the gun ready and loaded and um, he's pointing it at Murphy in the vehicle, but Murphy keeps saying, like, can you please not point it at my head? Like, it's making me nervous. Like, you can have it in your hand. I get it. You know, you're the gunman, but just please don't point it at my head. So they finally leave the bank. They have a police convoy following them. People try to ride up beside them a little bit, and but of course the police are there. So um, they're led on to JFK. They get there. Once they see the jet, of course, they let go of another hostage. Um, so they decide to let go of Maria. Maria, before she gets out, she's like really giddy. This is very clearly like a 70s flower child kind of girl. And she's happy but crying. And then she says, oh, Sal, I know this is your first plane ride, but don't be worried, you know. And she hands him a rosary because, you know, he is religious. And she says she'll pray for them. Um, so Sal quickly snatches the rosary and she goes on her way. They're preparing to go to the jet. Agent Murphy, who's the driver, is going to get out of the car first, and then everybody else is going to get out. They're going to go to the jet. The other FBI agent um, says, hey, you ready? Murphy goes, yeah. He quickly reminds Sal to point the gun up. He doesn't want any accidents. As soon as the FBI agent asks if he's ready, he says, yeah. Agent Sheldon uh, asks Murphy if he's ready. Murphy snatches a gun out of the side panel of the door. Um, Murphy very quickly, or yeah, uh, Sheldon very quickly unlocks the door so that the rest of the hostages can get out. And Murphy, pop, one single shot right in the middle of Sal's forehead. And then they both point a gun at Sonny. And Sonny's like, look, I ain't going to do nothing. Because obviously Sonny doesn't want to die. They got him. And all the hostages are out. They're crying. They're hugging at the car. Um, everybody's excited that it's over. And Sonny kind of looks on, um, seeing um, when they take him out of the car, they put handcuffs on him. He looks on and he sees all the hostages. These people, this ragtag group of people that I think he kind of thought that he was like friends with. He thought he had kind of developed this relationship with them. And he sees them over there like crying and like hugging each other. But, like, it doesn't seem like they care about Sal. They don't care about him. Obviously, they just care that, like, this is all over for them. And then he sees Sal, who is on a stretcher. Clearly, he's he's gone. And Sonny cries. He cries. Um, because he realizes it's it's really over. He thought, he said repeatedly in that car, he was like, we, we did it, Sal. We made it. We're here. 
He thought once he got in that limo bus, they were home free. And once he saw that jet, he was like, oh, it's for real, for real. And he had no idea that they would be able to get the drop on them at any time. And it's kind of sad, but also kind of like, all right, it's a bank robbery. This is how they end. So the film ends by letting us know that Sonny gets sentenced to 20 years in prison. His wife, Angie, is living in Brooklyn on welfare with her children. And Leon Shermer, in real life, ends up moving to New York City and lives as Elizabeth Eden until they pass away in the late 80s. It's a great film. There's a lot to unpack here, of course, and I don't want to be too much longer, but there's a couple things I wanted to circle back on. First of all, we talked about the fact that Al Pacino, in the end, we find out that Sonny gets 20 years, uh, sentenced to 20 years. His wife, Angie, lives on welfare with her two children in Brooklyn, and his wife, Leon, is living in New York City and did end up getting the sex reassignment surgery and um, passed away as Elizabeth Eden in the late 80s. Wonderful film, wonderful cast. We talked about how Al Pacino backed out of this film twice before he ended up making it. He's a method actor, and this was one of the first major actors on film to play a gay person, an openly LGBTQ person. And the character is not ashamed. People find out about it. But clearly, Sonny's had a wedding with flower with with bridesmaids and Leon wore a dress to the wedding. His mother came to the wedding. He's not ashamed to be gay. And even after people find out, it doesn't feel like he's ashamed to be gay. It's just like that's not the spectacle that he wanted. He wanted this to be about the establishment and why it's okay to take money from the establishment because it's just money. He didn't want it to become about him being gay. But once it came out, it was like, who cares, you know? It is what it is. And at the beginning of the film, we talked about how Amarina is the only song that plays in this film. There's no music in the closing credits at all. There's no music that plays during the film. The only song we hear is Amarina. And that uh, line about wanting to be in a cottage, in a cabin, resting in Amarina's bosom, riding up to the bank, to rob the bank, Sonny is listening to this song. So we know that innately in his heart, he is doing this thinking that he is really going to help. He wants to be able to be off living happy, happily and lovingly with his wife, Leon. And the way that he feels that's going to happen is to get this money so that Leon can be get the sex reassignment surgery and they can go off and live happily together. It's kind of cute. And I hate that the circumstances around this film are a bank robbery, which is a crime. And it's a federal bank, so it's a federal crime. But when you think of the grand scheme of it's federal money, so you can always print more. It is money, so who cares? They didn't want to hurt anybody, or Sonny didn't want to hurt anybody, because Sal is a different story. And in the end, he wanted to do this so that he could help the people in his life. Even as he was leaving, thinking that maybe he may die, 
His last will and testament was, I want to leave this much money to my wife and this much money to my other wife. And I want them both to know that I love them so much. And you feel a feeling of, I really disappointed these people. I really let these people down at the end. When he sees Sal get rolled away, and I'm sure he's thinking about both of his wives and what he was hoping to do and hoping to escape the U.S., escape all of this. It was probably heartbreaking to know that, once again, he wasn't able to follow through, and that's what hurts. But for someone that's very anti-establishment, he trusted the establishment a lot. I, throughout this whole film, I mean, I understand, like, they brought the bus, they took him to the jet, they brought food, but, you know, they cut the lights, they cut the AC, like, he, they had hundreds of police officers out there. You know that these people are not here to help you. And while I understand thinking that maybe you're going to get on this jet and everything is going to be fine and you're going to fly away, they could be hiding in the jet anywhere. A jet is huge. You think you're actually going to get off the ground and leave you and one other guy and get to Algeria just off the strength of being sunny. It is unfortunate that for someone who had such great ideas and had such great foresight, and I'm sure the foresight was literally just, we're going to go in the bank. This is going to take like 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes max. And I'm, we're going to get out of here. We're going to have money. And that was the plan. All of this was secondary. This was never figured in. And I completely understand that. But I think maybe he always knew it was going to fail, but he had no choice but to have hope. And everything was telling him, things are going in my favor, you know? I'm asking them to get my wife on the phone. They get my wife on the phone. I ask them to get my wife down here. They go and get Leon out of the hospital. I ask them to get me food. They get me food. I ask them to um, get me, you know, stuff to drink. They get me a doctor. They get me everything I need. They get me whoever I want on the phone. He thinks that these small acts of compliance are acts of compliance, and they're not. They're simply soothing him in order to make him think that everything is okay, think, make him think that the plan is going to happen. And as we're watching, I know we hope that everything is going to be okay. But I think the worst that all of us who don't know the situation thought was going to happen is that they both end up arrested. But seeing Sal get killed was hard to watch. But I think all of us watching this film knew that that was the only way that Sal was going to go. If they tried to arrest him, he was going to shoot that car up. He, he, was, like, he was already talking about either we get away or we kill ourselves. So it's very clear that he knew, um, I'm going to die one way or another. And taking him out without incident, without other people getting taken out, was the best way to do that, even though it hurts to watch him go. Uh, the other thing that I kind of want to talk about is Moretti versus the FBI. At the beginning of the film, we get Moretti, who's kind of like this um, 
New York police officer, kind of, and I know that he's not from New York, but very much reminds me of Peter Griffin from Family Guy. He's kind of rough around the edges, but he's got on his suit. The suit's kind of hanging loose. He's sweaty. It feels like he's trying his best to seem like he's in charge. And he is in charge of all of these, you know, ragtag police officers. But he doesn't really know what he's doing. We get the sense that if we had a guy in there who was a little bit better at this, they probably could have nipped this in the bud a lot sooner than they did. It wouldn't have been going on for as many hours as it did. But I don't think it's a mistake that we don't meet Agent Sheldon and the FBI until nightfall. This The first interactions that we have between Sonny and the establishment are in the daytime. When he comes outside, it's still bright out, and he's communicating with Moretti. As soon as night falls, they shut those lights down. He goes outside looking for Moretti, and instead, he finds the shadowed figure of Agent Sheldon, looking like creepy white establishment. You know what I mean. It looks kind of like um, an amalgamation of like... um. President Nixon and uh, Bush Sr. and maybe a little bit of Bush Jr. It's just that general look of just white man that you can't trust, older white man that you can't trust. Um, he just looks like that. And even the other FBI agent that drives the vehicle, he's younger, but he's still, the way the camera hits them, the way the camera... The, the close-up angle they get on their faces, it's that very, it's the same kind of angle that you see on the police officer in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, that close-up creepy angle, angle that feels like uncanny, feels uncomfortable, feels too close. We get that angle a lot with them. The only time we really see that angle from for Moretti is when they're listening in on Leon's phone call. And they show him with other FBI agents, other people are listening on in on the call. So now he's sort of aligned with them. Now we realize, even though he was kind of a ragtag, goofy police detective before, he is a part of the establishment. So we get that same creepy view of him as well. And finally, to bring it to another modern day film that just came out, I want to talk about spectacle versus understanding. If you guys have seen or heard about the film, Nope, I don't want to spoil anything about it for you, but a lot of the film revolves around spectating, watching something versus trying to actually understand it. And in this film, we see that, but really from Sonny's perspective. Nope focuses on the spectators, and this film focuses on the spectacle, Sonny being the spectacle. When he comes out and he sees the crowd, he sees the news cameras, or when he talks to the news, even when he's speaking to the police, he assumes that because he's hearing cheers and he's hearing loud, happy noises and people clapping for him, he assumes that people are on his side. When He's also very consciously saying to the news people that he is entertainment right now. If he goes out there and they shoot him and they blow his brains out on the pavement, people are going to be watching that on the news. 
People are listening to everything he's saying right now. People are listening to their conversations. Anything that comes out about Sonny, people are anxiously waiting for more news. So he knows he's the spectacle, but somehow he thinks that being the spectacle and having this many people on his side means that he's the hero. And unfortunately, for the people watching him, he's not really a hero. He's just the flavor of the day. This is, for him, this is life or death. This is a critical situation to save his marriage, to save his children, to save his life. And for the people who are watching this on the news, for the people who are just watching outside, this is simply just another hot day. Literally just another dog day afternoon. And Sonny doesn't quite realize that after this is all over, people will talk about it because they were there. Maybe they were standing outside of the bank. Maybe they were watching on TV. Maybe they were involved. Maybe they knew Sonny. So people will continue to talk about it for days to come. But everyone's life will go on. The women that work at the bank will continue to work at the bank. The... Angie lives with her kids on welfare in Brooklyn. It's not like she made any more money off of this. Elizabeth Eden lives in New York, got her sex reassignment surgery, living happily until she passed away in the 80s. Everybody's life goes on. And I think maybe he thought he was enacting real change. He was going to change something in his life, in the people's lives around him. And I think for a second, he actually thought he was gonna change the establishment. He was actually making a statement. But unfortunately, it's just another hot day. In the 70s, when people had nothing to do except for watch for something to happen. So if you haven't seen it, I highly suggest seeing it. If you like Al Pacino, if you like Serpico, if you like Taxi, if you like Scarface, you'll love this performance as well. I don't care if you're gay, straight, whatever orientation you are, it's a wonderful film to watch. It's on HBO Max. I'm sure it's in other places that you can you know, purchase to stream, but if you have an HBO Max subscription, head over there and check it out. It did win an award for Best Original Screenplay, an Academy Award. It won a number of other awards as well, but this was a wonderful film. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to me talk about it today. It is a very hot day today. It's about 93 degrees outside right now. And um, my AC is not on um, right now, but I am going to turn it on as soon as I am done recording this. That is all the time we have for today. Next episode, um, we're actually going to be talking about um, another hot film. We'll be talking about some other hot films. But like I said, we'll probably have a break week and then we'll be back the following week because I do have to travel for work and get some other things done. But please follow the podcast on whatever platform you use and rate wherever available. Um, you can check out the Halef Pod Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at film underscore Nikki. I really haven't been on social that much, except for oddly enough on TikTok. And it really hasn't had much to do with the podcast, but I may start talking about some podcast stuff over there because things are picking up. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or send any collab requests, advice, movie recommendations, or general greetings to here's looking podcast at gmail.com. That's H-E-R-E-S-L-O-O-K-I-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. And if I don't see you, 
Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Cheers.